Hello, listeners. Welcome to HR from Happy Valley from Radio SHM at Penn State. This is Christy Conroy, Don Lobsack, Tyler Bolton, and Andrew Shank reporting to you from this week's episode, Tip Top Human Resources. We're bringing to you the latest HR news and diving into some of the controversies of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate in the workplace. First, we're gonna introduce ourselves so you can get to know us a little bit better. My name is Christy Conroy. I'm a fourth year student here at Penn State. Um, I have always had a passion for the game of golf. So I entered the major of professional golf management. Um, Some of my favorite hobbies, of course, include playing golf with some of my friends and family watching um, some serious Netflix shows, and exploring new places with my family. Um, So I'm going to pass it on to Tyler Bolton, who uh, is actually related to Zac Efron in High School Musical. Yeah, Troy Bolton, he's a good basketball player. I'm not so much, but um, my name is is Tyler Bolton, and I'm um, a senior as well here at Penn State in hospitality. Um, I... My hobbies include watching um, the disappointing Atlanta sports teams because I'm from the city. <laughs> um, luckily, the Braves just won the World Series, but um, I, I really enjoy golfing as well. Um, and I, I really look forward to talking about um, developments in the industry, um, as I know we're all pretty passionate about this. Um, and yeah. I'm going to be introducing it to the amazing Andrew. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Uh, it's the amazing Andrew here. My name's Andrew Shank for uh, the full name. Uh, I'm also a senior in the hospitality management program, and uh, I'm very passionate about the topic we'll be discussing today in our podcast. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is about uh, three or four hours away from Penn State. And uh, I love I love the outdoors. I've been outdoors in my entire life. And uh, I'm going to pass on to my uh, co-anchor, Don. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, my name is Don. As Andrew told you, I'm an adult learner in hospitality management. I'm very interested in entrepreneurship, um, as well as home sharing and some other alternative uh, areas of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my hobbies include listening to and playing music. I listen to it much better. Um, and also researching these topics to bring to you guys. So uh, without further ado, I think we're going to hop into some of these topics. Let's do it. First up is here's the buzz portion of our podcast. Each group member will report from behind a desk, bringing to you stories that are cutting edge, relevant in today's HR industry, and of course, interesting in the world we live in today. First up, we have Andrew reporting from the desk of something everyone should care about. Yeah, thank you, Christy. Um, appreciate you bringing uh, the attention to this topic because uh, I think that this portion of the Year's Buzz is really interesting. Uh, anyways, so for my Year's Buzz portion, I'll be covering a little article on uh, Delta Airlines. Uh, long story short, uh, in, the pre- in the previous uh, not-so-distant past, Uh, Delta Airlines had stated that they were not going to mandate the COVID-19 vaccines for their employees. However, uh, unlike other airlines, such as United, who had already mandated the vaccine, uh, Delta had seemed to be uh, pretty firm on this standing. However, they reversed that standing recently and uh, will now actually be charging employees $200 a month who wish to be remain unvaccinated. I know, right? Absolutely crazy stuff. It's a big hit. (laughs) Um, and uh, the CEO, Ed Bastian, wrote, 
He said, uh, this surcharge will be necessary to address the financial risk. The decision to not vaccinate is creating for our company. And, uh, you know, I think everyone should care about this because it's a, it's obviously a very large employer. Uh, Yeah, it is an important topic because airlines do, uh, provide a lot of jobs for society. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just to add on to that, though, ironically, uh, in the in the very recent uh, time period, like mid-October-ish, they had actually reversed their standing again. Wow. And uh, said that, before. yeah, because the employees kind of revolted and they, they kind of got scared that, you know, are we going to upset our whole workforce here? So they decided that they were just going to ixnay on wow. the uh, whole mandate thing and actually a lot more airlines are also following suit so it's a pretty big trend um i'm gonna be passing it on to christy thank you andrew that is awesome um quite quite a controversial topic right now i'm sure we'll hear about it a little later in our podcast um so i will be reporting from the desk of something cool um, I will be talking about taking the human out of human resources. What is that? Crazy, right? <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of artificial intelligence? Well, yeah, I'm going to be discussing it. Oh, no. So we know our world is it's constantly changing, right? Every day, something new comes out. Technology is adv- advancing, medicine improving, leadership changing, right? Definitely. So this is also true in the HR industry. Each year, new methods of training come out. There's more focus on mental health, including like wellness programs and benefits. And of course, technology is changing the way managers approach certain aspects of their jobs. How's that? Pretty common, right? Yeah, I mean, we're always changing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why will we? So why will we? All right, so I'll be discussing an article that I read, AI versus HI, balancing automation and human judgment and talent acquisition written on August 24th, 2021. So pretty recently, I know it's been a couple months, but it's it's in the world out there. Um, He describes the benefits of what artificial intelligence can do for the workplace. So um, artificial intelligence frees up more time to focus on other human tasks. So in our lives currently, we see this with our iPhone. We use facial facial, recognition to speed up time it would take us to type in our passcode. It may seem like our passcode takes two seconds to type in, but our our faces are quicker, right? Yeah. It's a common example. Thumbprint too, yeah. Exactly. The thumbprint's a little old though. Yeah. Swipe up now. (laughs) Um, But within HR, AI may help companies and managers in many ways. So one example I want to focus on is the use of social media and how it can help companies in two extremely different ways. So first off, in many industries and for for specific companies, they care about what their employees post on their own personal social media and the way they utilize those platforms. And it may be bad for the a bad thing for some during the hiring process, depending on what you post. I've seen that. My mom always told me whatever you post is out there forever. And That's I don't think she's true. wrong. That's true. So when employees post, it can be a reflection of the company and their brand they're trying to uphold. And occasionally what someone posts on their own social media may not reflect the company's values. So to save companies, managers, and and more importantly, the HR department, a lot of time, energy, money, utilizing AI is crucial, especially during the hiring process. Now, on the other hand, AI can help companies with posting social media for their brand on the company's platform. So it can automatically create and publish posts optimized for social media platforms once the company provides the data that the technology would be like images, videos, text, and so on. Um, So it can help them and it can 
also, I guess, hurt employees in a way. Um, but for employers, it's really going to help in the end. Um, so yes, HR is about the people, the human interaction. It's about bringing team members together, creating a safe environment, and so on. And AI is probably going to help that in the in the future. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely working its way in. Absolutely, yeah, yeah it's very a big very cool, uh, very interesting moving. Yeah. Uh, interesting moving forward. topic. Technology is always rapidly. Uh, just becoming yeah. more and more prevalent involved. today. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> on that note, I'm going to pass it on to Tyler. All right. Thank you, Christy. Um, me and Don or Don and I have a similar topic. Um, so if you want to interject at all, just let me know. Oh, um, don't worry. I'll <laughs> so I'm from the desk of here's something to think about. Um, and I'm going to be discussing weeding out those who smoke the weed. Um, <laughs> so when we look into businesses, there's a huge balance of ensuring that your employees are happy, but also making sure that you have the right people in your staff. And, um, you know, businesses use things like uh, time waste management, you know, limiting breaks, limiting bathroom breaks, all this. And this this can um, affect the turnover rate of the employees. And one of these things that a lot of employers do is they, they drug test. Mm -hmm. um, the issue is there's a lot of legality on the rise when it comes to marijuana. Um, almost every state, the majority of the states have it at least medically legal. Um, Pennsylvania has it medically legal. There's, there's a lot of people that really need this. Um, my, my mother suffered from breast cancer. She uses it occasionally, just different people that actually need this, but there's also, you know, the stereotype behind it. Yeah. So, well, just to yeah. hop in, I mean, to your point, not only to the medical aspect, but Recreationally, we saw four states uh, this past November ratify bills um, to allow recreational consumption of cannabis. Wow. Yes. Um, so, jump in there, yeah. yeah, so things are definitely changing. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of re I'm reporting from the what to look forward to desk. Um, and we are going to look forward to more changes. Yes, yeah. definitely. And with Pennsylvania, too, uh, I know Governor Wolf has talked about um, implementing legalization to kind of try to bounce back from the hit we took on COVID for the economy. So it's definitely going to be something that we need to look forward to um, with um, the issue with it is uh, the off-duty versus on-duty usage. Um, employers don't want their, uh, you know, employees coming to work under the influence or yeah. You know, it could affect their work in it, some way. It really know. could. Yeah. yeah. And with the with the changing landscape, too, as this is coming more and more into our businesses, um, we really need to be prepared policy wise, you know, as these laws change, as customs change um, and, you know, as maybe drug testing gets a little more efficient right now, uh, you know, it's impossible to tell whether or not from a. a conventional tests we have now and employees under the influence at the time you know mm -hmm. it's it's uh trace amounts that are still found in the urine um, most times and and the cheek swab as well you know some of those accuracy um questions are up in the air so absolutely you know tyler you mentioned keeping people around uh what do we what do we think about you know keeping people around in this testing so what I believe is it's important to um, understand what someone may look like while they're under the influence. Um, 
uh, how they're acting and just overall, if they're a good employee and they're doing their job, that's all you really want to look for. Um, it's, it's hard to tell with some people whether or not they are under the influence, but in my opinion, um, recreationally marijuana should be legalized just, uh, or should be accepted more in the workplace as a off duty substance, just like going out to the bar. Um, in the workplace, I don't know if it should be accepted too much. Um, uh, it's, it's hard for employers to tell the difference between, you know, um, someone who is sober, someone who's not sometimes, but you can tell by the quality of work that they're putting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in this article, uh, written by T- Tim Dowd for Forbes Human Resources Council, um, to that point, he says, we really need to train our managers, not only to recognize the signs of someone being um, under the influence, mm-hmm. uh, because we really don't want to allow um, a health hazard to occur or anything like that. We also need to educate our managers um, on how to proceed as our policies change. Yes. Um, and to, to have a, an open, continuous dialogue with our employees um, our management structure, for sure, um, and just kind of keep everybody in the loop, um, you know, losing people uh, for trivial reasons in this uh, kind of economy mm-hmm. and workforce. That's going to be tough on us. So, uh, you know, looking forward and planning like we do, we need to consider our policies, um, our training regimen, um, and definitely how we communicate um, this guy, Tim Dowd, even says that we might want to consult legal counsel moving forward. Absolutely. Yes. And it's that, that is move. a good idea, yeah. um, especially with the SHRM article I um, uh, happened to stumble upon. It said that the hospitality management industry is the top positive marijuana test rate of 6.3% as opposed to the national average, which is at 4.3%. So, that's a pretty big margin. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a lot of people. And uh, I think it's the high stress environment. So they do need to look out for it in hospitality for sure. Absolutely. Well, I must say, I think uh, those were some some cutting edge topics that we were discussing and definitely very interesting in the world that we're living in today. It's a ever changing world. Yep. News is always changing. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we will be jumping into our next seg- next segment um, the hot topics. All right, guys, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> We've got a, a heavyweight bout tonight. Um, the vaccine mandators against the uh, non-vaccine the <laughs> mandates. Yeah. So, uh, Without further ado, we're going to pass it off to our facilitators. I'll send it to Christy first so you could get a little uh, background on the topic. Ladies first, right? Of I course. Yeah, there we go. Beauty <laughs> before <laughs> brain. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off. Um, COVID, again, a very, very hot topic right now in this world. I know that it can get heated at some points, but we're going to have a civil debate here. Right? Right, guys? Right, gentlemen? Yes. yes absolutely. So we know that it is a very, very dangerous disease caused by a viral virus um, discovered in December of 2019. That's 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 a bit. We've been going at it. Right. Oh, but we're almost entering 2022. And it was it feels like it's been crazy. Sophomore year to senior year for for a lot of us. Exactly. Our whole college experience. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it, it has made its way around the world. It's continuing between all the different variants and everything else. Um, it's, it's making its way. Yeah, I think a new variant just came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh they're dropping a new one every month. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. So uh, on March 11th, 2020, the WHO finally declared the COVID-19 a pandemic. And that is when the world went into a shutdown. Um, I know I went right home back to the great state of New Jersey and just sat in my room and did some classes virtually. We all thought we were going to come back, too. We yeah. didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. I don't know. It was, yeah, you know, crazy was, times. We um, still don't know. So no, that is for sure. Stay on your toes. Uh, but there are three vaccines out, or I guess two that are really more prominent. Um, we had the Johnson & Johnson that made its way out for a little bit, um, Pfizer, and of course, Moderna. So a very, very significant hurdle in the medical and science field is achieving this vaccine in a timely manner. The quickest vaccine that was ever created was the mumps, which was created in four years, which is, again, crazy. The vaccine came out very quickly after COVID happened. Um, on average, vaccines take about 10 to 15 years to accomplish. So again, a long time, but the vaccine with the COVID vaccine, it came out pretty quickly. Um, with imminent worries surrounding the pandemic, um, putting unprecedented pressure on our healthcare systems and economies, um, unprecedented measures were needed to be put in place. Eventually, like we said, the world had to go back to what we could say is our new normal, but for many businesses, employers, employees, it's still not normal. And for students and for kids and everything else, we're wearing masks, we're doing everything we can to stop the spread, but it's our new normal. And I guess we'll just have to get used to it. Yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Indefinitely. And that's why I believe it's really important um, to discuss what's going on in the industry, because as you said, it's it's affecting everybody, but especially hospitality. Um, our, you know, restaurants all across the nation, retirement communities, resorts, cruises, they've all been greatly impacted by this virus. And um, we interact with people every day of our lives when we're in that industry. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's a tough. It's tough crazy. Thing. It's crazy. And you see McDonald's, uh, you know, starting to hire people for like 12 an hour, which, you know, it's insane to me because I remember kids in my high school working there for like 725 or less <laughs> yeah absolutely you know, it's, it's 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 really crazy how they're scrambling to find ways to retain the employees keep the businesses afloat and also help their patrons feel safe um, especially with the hospitality industry many customers they expect a very high level of cleanliness um and now with COVID, the standards emphasize so much more. Yep. Um, I was just at a hotel recently where they were doing housekeeping every five days in the rooms. They were not touching the rooms. If you were there um, for a five-day period, they would come in on the fifth day. And yeah. I thought that was like insane. a no-contact type of thing. With no the, contact yeah. housekeeping. So it, it's, it's definitely getting different. Um, as the vaccines roll out, the news agencies and social media teams did their due diligence to spread different factors of reasoning behind how it's beneficial or non-beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, 30% of the nation has yet to be vaccinated. So there's a real necessity um, for a good quality conversation and a Absolutely. better understanding of both sides of this topic. So we can kind of get a grip on how we can combat and deal with this virus um, in the workplace. Um, the reason it's really important right now is because we're seeing different ways companies are trying to vaccinate their employees. 
Um, many companies started out with incentive programs, but now it's getting a little bit more harsh with mandates. Um, and with these mandates, places like Andrew said, Delta Airlines started uh, threatening to cut their employees' salaries if they didn't get the vaccine. And CNN recently fired multiple employees for not getting vaccinated. It's in the NFL quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers didn't want to get the vaccine. <laughs> Just a bunch of different a bunch of different um, ideas. Talk on about topic. another hot topic. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we could go on for minutes about him. <laughs> yes. So I leave with the question, is this a good way to handle unvaccinated employees or is it bordering kind of an unethical territory? Um, we just need to go back to normal as soon as possible in everybody's mind. And it's on everybody's mind. Sorry. And our two debaters today are going to be discussing both sides of this topic. And um, they're going to be doing it civilly. If not, I'll be the referee. Um, <laughs> we'll and, be interjecting if yeah, there's any issues in yeah, this, uh, in this you room. Know, it's, it always gets really interesting uh, with these two very good debaters. So I'm going <laughs> to toss it on to them and they're going to get right into this topic. All right. Yeah. So um, thanks for the intro. A lot of information there. As I said before, I'm going to be on the pro mandate side. Um, now, with that stance, uh, my first point, um, shadowing some of the information we got, there were a lot of tough economic impacts on businesses. Mm -hmm. um, my argument is that from an economic standpoint, businesses really do need to mandate these vaccines. Um, you know, and there, there's a number of motivating factors behind that. One really um, is to, you know, make our employees uh, less of a liability from an insurance aspect. Absolutely. Now, a lot of major insurers have pulled out of uh, wave, waiving different costs uh, related to COVID and, wow. you know, treatment for an individual uh, who does need to be hospitalized is in the thousands, um, I think 1,300 was the number I saw on average just for a hospitalization, um, not to mention benefits paid out and things like that, not having your workers there. Um, there are a lot of costs associated with uh, not vaccinating your employees. And it um, takes a toll on the business, for sure. Of course. And, yeah. you know, we saw uh, basically massive amounts of businesses closing um, from the Department of Labor and Statistics. 13.2% uh, of workers uh, were teleworking because of coronavirus. Uh, Very common now. Doesn't work for our industry, I can no, tell you that. Not face sure. to face. Um, and, you know, our, our HR departments are dealing with this however they can. Um, but a lot, a lot of people are not coming back to the workforce because they don't feel safe, more economic impact there as well, you know. So um, having people to run our businesses, very important, big economic impact um, in our industry, especially. Absolutely. So with that, I'll let Andrew get into his first point. No punches yet, so we're off to a good start. Exactly. Uh, we're feeling each other out <laughs> right now. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, my, my first assertion would be that uh, the mandating of the vaccines in the, in the workplace is uh, unethical in regards to the employees' uh, bodily autonomy. And, you know, a lot of people could argue against that and say, well, it's not really your right to walk around and infect people with a virus and yada yada. But the truth is, is that majority of people who are unvaccinated don't carry the virus. 
And and secondly, they obviously have taken made a personal choice and decided that they feel safe enough to go into public. And if the public is vaccinated and other employees are vaccinated, then I don't really understand why that said employee should have to feel guilty or fee- or be fired for any reason if the vaccine truly works. So is that what what message are we sending to the employees when we say that everybody has to be vaccinated or else the vaccine doesn't work? I mean, okay. in, 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 in all honesty, and then yeah. you, you, you get to the uh, statistics on now. We're going to say here, we're going to say millions of people have been vaccinated. Thousands of people experiencing side effects isn't a big deal. That's not true because you could end up being one of those people. Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to say if that happens to you? I'm um, Just an example is that uh, Bell, Bell's palsy has been known to be one of the side effects of, from, from all the vaccines that have been uh, introduced to the coronavirus. And, you know, as an employee, it's like, what would you say? If you experience Bell's palsy from the vaccine after your employee, after your employer mandated you get the vaccine, mm-hmm. do you call them and, and demand compensation, even though there's no compensation laws or programs? There's no policy or procedures yeah. for it. And there's no there's no backup for that. Mm-hmm. There there isn't actually case law um, against the liability of the business. Uh, so in that situation, uh, legally, because you have the ability to choose another job. Um, you know, it's not, gotcha. it's not a mandate. You're not really holding someone down and jabbing a needle in them at that point. What you're doing is you're incentivizing them, um, to kind of join your community. Now it's, mm. it is, uh, a community workplace. It, so workplace culture, um, you know, my second point goes to the morality, you know, you're saying it's unethical. Um, I'm actually taking the other stance on that and saying, it is more ethical uh, for our businesses to do all they can to not just force something on an employee, but to protect our customers, protect the rest of our employees. Um, you know, yeah. But I'm just curious how does how did this mandate pr- protect your customers and your employees if a vaccinated people can still get sick, b they can still spread it, and c they can become symptomatic? I mean, well, not not to be that guy, but. Just as an example, you are vaccinated and you did experience COVID symptomatic, right? Yeah. And I also wasn't hospitalized. Uh, well, neither so, was I when I had COVID and I am not vaccinated. Okay. So, uh, you know, there are outlying cases there. Uh, mm-hmm. The general population isn't a 20-year-old male. Uh, you know, a lot of them aren't yeah. as healthy as we are. Uh, so, you know, you look at a workforce um, and also a customer base. It's as broad as a newborn to, you know, very elderly person. Uh, we're there to make them feel safe. Um, ethically, Welcoming, that's yeah. their right. You know, they come in, they're checking in. We provide them security and other measures. Um, this is just one more way to provide security. And uh, in fact, more than half of people polled by the JAMA network um, saw uh, positive results in being questioned whether or not uh, they were for workplace mandates. Now, the numbers were pretty evenly split when you got to state mandates, federal mandates, stuff like that. But as you get into the workplace and employers mandating, um, a pretty statistical significance um, is placed on the community that wants these vaccines. Now, if that's our workforce, if that's our, you know, um, customer base, yeah, we ethically need to make them feel comfortable. We need to make, um, you know, people 
feel like they're coming into a hospitable environment. And if you're fearful, that's not the case. Absolutely. And, and like you said, um, ethically and maybe morally, it's probably the right thing to do. But like Andrew said, what about our bodily autonomy? Is it okay to incentivize and mandate someone putting something in their bodies that they don't so, necessarily? You know, again, again, really like it is a mandate and you mm-hmm. may be pushing some employees out with that. Um, but it, it at the fair? end of the day, it's yes. a, it's a workplace yeah. mandate. So it really comes down to a business decision. So, you know, economically and morally, um, I've kind of made the case there. If you're, you know, if you're really opposed to it, if you're really afraid that you might have an adverse reaction, mm-hmm. um, or you just don't see the need for it, you can go somewhere else where your morals align with that company. You're more welcome there. Um, and like I said, there's actual case law there where, you know, companies are legally allowed to mandate these things because there's a choice. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem to be the consensus, though, going back to the airlines as an example, is that they originally, a lot of them had mandated the vaccine. Why did they go back? And I want to ask that uh, real quick. It's well, just, uh, it's crazy. Um, your point about um, how if you do have an adverse reaction, um, basically the employer doesn't need to do anything. Well, not only the employer, but there is no competition programs federally either. Yeah, And I I mean, it's important to look back at the previous history of vaccine courts because while the COVID vaccine itself doesn't have any um, compensation programs, there is vaccine courts. And vaccine courts have actually paid out over $4 billion in in their entire history for adverse reactions. So I mean, and those vaccines in the, in the past, like Christy had stated, the fastest one ever made was the mumps within four years. Now you're shutting down an mRNA vaccine, a technology that has never been administered to a large, an actual large population. You're now trying to mandate that and say that it's moral. Yeah. Yeah. While, while, while simultaneously, you know, pushing it under the guise that the customer is what wants it. When in reality, going back to the airlines, that doesn't really seem to be the case because when you, when you look at the airlines, no one wants to wear masks on planes. No one wants to, you know, show their vaccine card where they got. Does anyone actually want to do that? Show their vaccine card when they get onto a plane? I mean, what? Like, I I personally would feel better if I knew everyone on my flight was vaccinated, and that's where it does come down to an opinion thing. But these businesses really need to make a business decision. Uh, you know, what is good for us? Do we do we want our hospitality employees focused on creating a safe environment for our people. Um, You know, it's a choice and you can choose to do whatever you want to do. But, you know, I'm, I'm personally glad I got it. I, my fiance got COVID pre-vaccine, had a much harder time. We're the same age, roughly in the same health. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're, I, I'm happy that I did it. I can see things from the other end. Again, you know, bodily autonomy isn't something to sneeze at. And that's why you have the option of going down the street. As I said earlier, these businesses need people. Uh, we have a, Especially a, in the HR industry, a lot a... of shortages. So, you know, if you, if you wanted to leave your career at Delta Airlines or whatever company, um, ultimately that is your choice. You know, you, you really don't have to be vaccinated, um, but as a business uh, decision, I would say that these these places really are kind of forced to take a hard stand here because there are costs associated and there's definitely a public image associated with that as well. Um, you know, if you're against vaccination, 
you're going to be indifferent if everyone walking in there is or is not vaccinated. But if you're fully vaccinated, you've been a big proponent of the vaccine and you walk in someplace, you're going to be much more confident if they can say, hey, we have policy in place. All of our employees. Are but vaccinated. if your vaccine, if your vaccine that you took works, then why does it matter if everyone else is vaccinated? I mean, from a from a, a scientific type of uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, stop the spread hasn't really seemed to be too effective over the course of the years. And you see, community. as the um, you know the vaccine has been administered um, very slowly and kind of haphazardly, we've seen more variants come out. That is because we weren't able to fully stop vaccinate it. our population in time to stop a variant. Is and that why the, the Omicron variant was found in fully vaccinated people first? Yes. Yeah, so I think there's, there's. So you're blaming. So you're blaming a vaccine being ineffective on people who aren't vaccinated because the people who because, aren't vaccinated spread it to the people because, who are vaccinated. Because yes, because the original strain of the uh, the virus was infecting people. Now we have we have a fix for that. The people who got the vaccine, um, you know, it, it fixed the problem of the original virus. Now, as that proliferates and goes through a community, it varies. You know, it changes genetically as it goes from one person to another. If we were able to flash vaccinate people, we probably wouldn't be able to have this discussion in the same context. Assuming that your vaccine is 110% effective, which is obviously not, as you've been infected with the virus while being vaccinated. And I a think variant. this is this so is that's, that's so the are issue. You, so are you going to get two more injections every year if you need to get two more injections every if year? I, for if variant? I have to get boosters, and I think this is going to also be a big... Uh, and you're going to carry that risk from the boosters, regardless of the fact that no matter how many more, you know, the more boosters you take, the more risk you carry of in course, adverse reactions. Because the, the science... Yeah, I'm, it's my decision to take a booster or, you know, to not. And again, it's the decision of the employee whether or not they ultimately yeah you're absolutely business. right and i mean just to wrap it up i guess so you could say that it's uh it is the employee's decision to go somewhere else but then the businesses will have to deal with the uh the ramifications of you know if you have an, if you have a massive employee walkout and suddenly you have no more staff because they're done with you mandating products for their for their bodies yes, definitely well then now you're faced with do i have a staff or do i become uh you know a, a tyrant yeah, as time rolls on, we, we're going to see how this is implemented more and more. Um, we're seeing the efficacy rates. Uh, we're trying to, you know, figure out, does the vaccine help people get less hospitalized or does it help you completely just not get the virus? Like yeah. all these factors we're still figuring out as time goes on and we'll continue to discuss them as time moves forward. But I want to thank both of our debaters today for really providing Got a little amazing, hot in here but yeah. i think we uh we survived it a great thank conversation you guys yeah it's a, it's a good debate exactly. exactly and it's definitely going to be an ongoing conversation yeah we can For all probably years that. to come so yeah. Yeah. so prepare yourselves uh definitely hope all of this was very relevant for you guys and helpful yeah we we tried to bring these topics forward um you know hr it's a stuffy topic sometimes. And I think, uh, you know, these things really bring it to the forefront of practicality, um, how we really get into this kind of stuff in the workplace. Yep. Conversations um, are key. Yeah. yeah so very, very glad we could have this conversation and we'll see you next time.
So thank you for listening to our HR from Happy Valley, um, again, from Radio SHM at Penn State. Um, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode, Tip Top Human Resources, where we brought to you the latest HR news and definitely dove into some of the controversies of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate in the workplace. Um, got a little hot in here for a second, but uh, I think we did a pretty brought you some pretty solid news. Definitely. And I think our debaters did a good job at relating what was going on to what's happening in our workplace. And I think this conversation really um, helped the viewers at home possibly spark their own conversation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I always have fun debating with Don. He always brings uh, some good information to the table, makes sure all the questionnaire and arguments and uh, just really enjoyed bringing this information to you guys and uh, debating in front of you guys as well. Yeah, so that's the goal. I mean, for you guys, the listeners, to uh, you know, learn in an active, fun way. So we really hope we nailed that for you. Absolutely. Uh, and this is uh, Christy Conroy, Don Lobsack, Tyler Bowen, and Andrew Shank signing off. See you later. Have a good yeah. one.